Thanks, Joshua Bloor, not Joshua Sachona. It's all right, we're blood, I can't deny you. Oh, it's really great to be with you guys. You guys are fantastic. You really are such a great bunch of people. Um, just so encouraged to be here and um, just the hunger and zeal and passion that you guys carry and run with. Just keep going. It's amazing. It's absolutely fantastic. So um, my name is Lakunda. Yes, I'm Lakunda. Married to Dami over there. Dami is the church administrator, so you probably have had received lots of emails from him. Um, but don't get tired of them. He works really hard. He does a great job. So that's it. Well done, Dami. Good job. He does. <laughs> what are you like? <laughs> oh. But Dami and I um, live in Moston. We live in North Manchester. We've lived there for about four years now. Um, and when we first moved into our house in Moston, our back garden looked a little bit like this. So this was our back garden. It's like a wilderness, just fallow ground. It wasn't, I know, I know, it just looked like that. It wasn't very good. Now, if you know me, I love plants. I really love plants, so I say this all the time. And so the inside of our house is quite green. Um, but that green-fingered grace hadn't quite yet extended to the exterior of our house, as you can see. Um, and so inside of the house was lovely and green. Outside of the house looked a bit like this. And then one day, one bank holiday weekend, um, while we were doing USMM, I think it was, the grace came suddenly. We decided to do something about it. And so we toiled and we worked hard. Here's Dami working hard and working hard. Well done, Dami. I was there too. I was, you know. <laughs> and then it, it looked like this after a few days of hard work. So that's all getting there, getting ready. And then eventually, it became this. Hey! An amazing place where lots of people could come and enjoy this lovely green grass and celebrate together and have fun. And so the transformation of our garden became something that we could enjoy and everyone else could enjoy as well. God created us for transformation. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2 and have a look at this account of, of creation and what, what God has to say to us from there. Genesis 2, and from verse 4. These are the generations of the heaven and of the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the ground. Then the Lord God formed man out from the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then pan down to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden 
to work it and keep it. There were no shrubs yet in this garden. Probably not as bad as our garden looked like. Um, But when God first created the world, and and it was without form and void, and he created the world, um, but there were no bushes yet. There There were no shrubs because there was no one to look after it. Now, God in all his awesomeness, I'm sure, I'm sure he could have done this himself. But he chose to create man, breathe life into him, and put him in the garden so that he could work it so that he could bring transformation to that barren land. And so in the very beginning in creation, we see this amazing partnership with God and man, which brings forth purpose. God creates the animals, he gets man to name them. God makes the garden, he puts man in to keep it. This partnership of God doing his bit and us doing our bit, and he invites us to work with him. And then together, they can sit back and think, wow, look at what we did. Look at all those animals we created and named. Look at this amazing garden that we've transformed together. We were designed in his image. It's in our very DNA to bring about transformation, to change the landscape. When God created us, he gave us authority to rule on the earth, to extend the reign of heaven. And so we were placed in the earth with his power and authority to change the landscape, to make it look just like heaven. And that's what we were designed to do. It's in our very DNA. I wonder sometimes, you think we have a natural tendencies as human beings to make our surroundings cozy and comfortable, and generally speaking anyway. But we have this tendency, and that's what we do, and it's our very DNA to make things beautiful, to bring transformations, to make things look the way they should because of what God's placed inside of us. But then we sinned. And we lost that authority to bring about transformation. We lost the authority to rule and reign the way we were originally meant to. But when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he restored to us right relationship and then that right authority to continue to make the earth look like heaven. In Matthew 16 and 19, speaking in the context of the church, Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 1, verse 22 and 23. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The message puts it this way. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. Absolutely amazing. Because of Jesus, we've been restored into this family business, to co-laboring with Christ, to cultivating, to make this earth look just like heaven. And we've been given all authority to do so. All authority we've been given to do so. We've been transformed so that we can bring transformation. And we've been reconciled with God so that we can bring reconciliation to others. And today, that's what we're going to look at. What does it look like to love others and bring transformation? Because we believe that loving others looks like bringing transformation to our society. So let's go to Matthew chapter 13. Turn, scroll, whichever one you've got with you. Matthew 13, and we're going to read a parable of Jesus in him speaking about the nature of the kingdom of God, which he so loved to do. He spoke about it a lot. Matthew 13. 
and from verse 31. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through all the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. I love this parable, not just because it talks about plants, but it's a good parable. <laughs> Jesus spoke in parables and... It was always to illustrate a point. And those who were spiritually awake would lean in to understand more of what he was saying, but those whose hearts were hardened would simply walk away and they wouldn't get anything out of it. And it's not in every single case where every single minute detail corresponds to something else. There is meaning we can grab, but usually there's a main point Jesus is trying to get across. But there are a few things in this parable which I notice and I think are really significant. First of all, both these things, the mustard seed and the tiny amount of yeast, are really insignificant in their size and appearance, but they're really mighty in their power and effect. So really, really small. Jesus comes up to him and says, you know, the, the Jews already had their idea of what the Messiah would look like, and he'd come and he'd be this big king and he'd just boot out all the bad guys, and he'd be really powerful because that's how you overthrow a kingdom. You have to be bigger and bad and overthrow the kingdom. And Jesus comes and says, this is what the kingdom of God is like, the tiny little mustard seed. It's really small, super insignificant. It's tiny. I mean, everyone would have known what a seed looked like, and everyone would have had yeast in their house. And they're like, it doesn't make sense. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He came and proclaimed this completely upside-down kingdom. And the ways of this kingdom were love, meekness, and peace. And it doesn't work the way that they thought it would appear. It appeared differently, small and insignificant-looking, but really powerful, this effect. The other thing we notice is that both of these things take time. Naturally, it takes a tree a while to grow. And if you've ever planted a tree, and if you ever do plant a tree, you may not live to see the full effect on this side of eternity. It takes time. I remember when we were waiting for our grass to come up. It's like every morning. I see some fuzz. No, no, it's just in my head. And eventually it did, but it took time. I'd love to say we waited patiently. We weren't very patient. Um, But we waited. We had no choice. We just had to wait. Um, But they take time. The woman had to knead and mix the, the yeast into the dough until, it says, until it worked through the whole batch. The ways of the kingdom sometimes take time. They don't always happen as quickly as we think they should happen but they take time. God can do things in an instant, but a lot of times we see the ways of the kingdom, they do take time, these rhythms of grace. And then the other thing which I think is so fantastic we see in this parable is that the kingdom of God has come and is coming. So Jesus doesn't say, you know, the kingdom of heaven may be like the seed, if the seed maybe perhaps should somewhat grow, to know This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is growing. The kingdom of heaven is increasing in the earth. And that's the truth. 
So that's our standpoint. Regardless of what we see in the news, regardless of what it sounds like, regardless of what we see, regardless of all the crazy scenarios that keep coming. My mom is always saying, I don't know if it's because she's getting older, oh, the world is going crazy. And we say these things, but regardless of the world going crazy, the truth is the kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of God is coming. And that is our standpoint and that is where we live life from. That's our truth. That's our declaration. The kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God is coming, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That's our declaration. Jesus has already done it, and we don't need to strive to make that happen. We simply partner with him because of what Jesus has already done. So let's look at this a bit further. From verse 31, he talks about this little seed, farmer plants it in seed, and it grows, becomes a big tree, and um, the birds come and rest in him. And we see an amazing picture here of how the church of God started after he ascended to heaven. Small group of people, really small group of people. And it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew. And the church of God continues to grow. And as people come to know him, as people come in, into gatherings and come to meet him, the body of Christ grows, and the church grows, and this tree grows. And it provides a place for people to come and rest and find Jesus. Whenever we, we gather, whether it be on a Sunday, whether it be, I don't know, in a coffee shop where there's a few of us together, where two or more gathered, he is there. Whenever we gather, we have the opportunity to bring about transformation, not just because we can bring practical help, but because his presence is there with us in our midst. Whenever we gather together, there is an opportunity for people to come and encounter the presence of the living God. There is an opportunity for them to come and experience the reality of who he is, the reality of what he does, and the reality of what he's done in our lives. We have the ultimate privilege of hosting his presence, of hosting and stewarding what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our meetings and whenever we gather together. We get to make room to allow him to bring life. That's what we get to do as we grow, as the church grows and invite people in. According to the Talking Jesus survey that happened in 2015, among the factors that positively influence people to become a Christian, these were the top six percentage-wise. Firstly, growing up in a Christian family. Number two, attending a church service or services other than a wedding or a funeral. That was number two. Number three, reading the Bible. Number four, conversations with Christians you knew well. Number five, number five, yeah. Experience of the love of Jesus Christ. And number six, I love this one. A spiritual experience you could not explain. I love that one. I think it's absolutely amazing because it says to me, we need not shy away from the power of the Holy Spirit to encounter people. We need not dress it up or we need not dumb it down because he comes and he's the one who brings the transformation. He's the one who shows up. He's the one we make room for. Just like we've been saying, we want to be continually filled and filled and make room and give him space to bring transformation. On the Alpha course, and we have a lot of Alpha course people here. Whoop, whoop. Well done, guys. Um, the Holy Spirit day or weekend is said to be the most transformative point on the whole course where most people tend to make a decision to follow Jesus. So much so that they would say, Alpha isn't just Alpha without the Holy Spirit day or weekend. That's really, really significant. And so having people come into our gatherings, number two on that list, really high up there, the presence of a worshiping community is so important. 
is so important in expanding and extending the rule and reign of the kingdom of God. I'm sure we can all think about um, experiences or testimonies of when people have come in amongst us and have experienced God or have experienced something or have come away feeling different. I'm sure we can testify to having that happen to ourselves. And you might be that person today that's come in and is thinking, oh, I'm either experiencing something and I'm not quite sure, or I'm not, I'm not quite sure. But just like Danielle's testimony, Jesus is real. His love is real. And if you want to know him, come speak to somebody at the end. He wants to know you and he wants to break into your life. We had a lady come to our Easter event earlier this year, and as a result of coming to the event, she said a prayer to accept Jesus into her life. It's absolutely amazing. Another one of the ladies who came was so excited, her and her family, and they were like, will you do this again? We'll be back next year. I was like, yeah, you can come back next Sunday. (laughs) But yeah, they were just so, you know, amazed and and grateful for what we'd done. And and just a testimony to us as King's Church, which I think is really important, Um, our local park, because um, we had extreme love in that, like, I keep forget last year it was, yeah. We had extreme love and we had a fun day in, in the local park where, near where we meet in High Blakely. And we were so well run and so well organized and it wasn't just a naff thing put on for the sake of it. So much so that our parks team um, said that they were going to use our site map and our plan as a template for other people using the park because we did it with such excellence. That is a testimony in itself to bringing transformation. All the hard work we put in, all the stuff we do, being diligent with what God has done, has given us, stewarding it well, is transformative. It's powerful and it's a testimony to who God is. And so it takes time to build and grow. But we will grow and we will see people's lives transformed. If we don't grow weary of doing good, we will reap in due season. Galatians 6 and 9. Let's carry on in verse 33. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a batch of flour until it worked through the whole dough. Now, this part speaks of a bit more of a covert mission. Some translations would say she hid the yeast in the dough. Um, So not only do we get to bring transformation in society by calling people out from the various walks of life into where we are, but we also are sent out into the very fabric of society, like the little tiny pieces of yeast, to bring about transformation from within it. So it's a kind of undercover operation, kind of-ish, but it's a bit of a covert mission. So we're like special agents, or if you like, special raising agents. <laughs> that was good. I spent a long time thinking about that. Thank you. Like, I know. I know my good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but wherever we find ourselves, go to the bakers. Wherever we find ourselves, whether it's in the home, it's in school, it's uni and lectures, or it's in the workplace, our presence in all these areas, just like that tiny little amount of yeast, brings about a much bigger impact than I think we could ever know or imagine. The fourth item on that list was conversations with a Christian you knew well. Sometimes we have the tendency to think, I don't know, maybe it's easier to speak to someone who I don't know on the streets, but actually speaking to someone about Jesus you didn't know was further down on the list. Conversations with a Christian you did know was number four. And we have these opportunities in everywhere we find ourselves to have conversations, to be salt and light, to bring about impact, to, to speak differently, to come with a different language that over time helps people and changes mindsets and changes the culture. I heard Lisa Bevere once say, 
People in the world are not looking to see you fail. They're hoping what you have is actually true. And that for me was like, oh, that's, that's amazing actually, because it, whether people can vocalize it or realize it or not, when they see the joy that you have and they see the peace that you have, deep down they're longing that that's true so that they can have it too. So our job then is to simply live it out. It's to simply be truthful about what Jesus has done in our lives. Get in and out of people's lives and put that on display. And don't hide back and don't shy away from it. We get to make him famous simply by putting on display what he's done in our lives. And that looks different for each and every single one of us. And that's the beauty of Jesus. That's the beauty of what he's done. We get to make him famous by simply expressing what he's done for us. And so at the crux of this and, and how we outwork um, bringing about transformation from within society and calling people out from it, Jesus gives us a really good example. So let's go to John chapter 13. John 13, and from verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And then skip down to verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus, being secure in his identity, knowing he was loved of the Father, decided to use the authority he had to serve. That is true power. He established the kingdom of God and brought about salvation for all of creation by serving, by laying down his life to the point of dying on a cross. And this is the example he leaves us of how we are going to extend the rule and reign of God's upside down kingdom by serving. In the passage we read earlier in Genesis 2 verse 15, when it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it, that word work means to serve. He was, it means to serve or work for another. He put man in the garden to serve, to serve the ground, to work it, and then by doing that, bring about transformation. The way we bring about transformation is to serve. And we serve not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others. When we create space for people to come and experience God amongst us, we serve. The lady I spoke about earlier, she was walking down, who, got, who made a decision to uh, give her life to Jesus on Easter. She was walking down the street. I don't think she got a flyer. I think she was just walking down the street. And she met um, just one of the other church members who was just walking along. And she was like, oh, what's going on? And he was like, oh, 
you know, there'll be some Easter eggs, a bit of a sing-song, some cake, something like that. And she thought, oh, okay. And he's like, come check it out. So she's like, okay. And she walks along, and she's still a bit not sure, but I'm sure just just as she got to the door, a steward leaped out and dragged her in. Um, But, you know, and he was like, come in, made her feel welcome, and she scooted her way in, and she sat right at the back. She ended up sitting by the prayer banner anyway. But she sits at the back. <laughs> I know. She sits there, and sure enough, before you know it, someone's praying for her. And then I went and had a conversation with her, shared the gospel. She gave her life to Jesus. And then someone else came along and gave her a Bible and spoke to her, swapped numbers. And then she won a hamper. It was great. <laughs> and so every single person, in every, you know, from the person who was just coming along and had a conversation with her on the street, to the steward who welcomed her at the door, to the refreshments team who offered her a drink, to the people who prepared this wonderful hamper for her to win with their family, to people's hearts that were just available to be there and speak to her. Everybody, by serving, created this atmosphere and an environment for this woman to receive Jesus. It's absolutely amazing. And so nothing, no part is insignificant in what we do. And it's just an encouragement to us that every time we gather, there is an opportunity from the, what seems really small and insignificant to what seems really important, but all of it comes together. And obviously, Holy Spirit would have already been tugging on her heart. We were simply available for the rest of her journey. And it's such a privilege to be part of that. In our various spheres of society, we serve. Someone once said, We shouldn't try to be the best in the world. We should try to be the best for the world. When we focus on giving our best to society, we're serving and we're extending the kingdom of God by seeking the welfare of the land. And it's transformative because it's not an attitude that seeks my good or I want to be the best so people can look at me and say, oh yeah, she's really great, but actually I'm seeking the good of others. I want to be the best for the world. So I can sow and I can bring transformation. I can see others do well before myself. Over time, that brings about cultural transformation. When you're the voice in the workplace who speaks a different tone, who has a different attitude, who responds differently, that changes the culture and it changes the environment. You can bring transformation. You can change the atmosphere by the words you speak and the Holy Spirit that you carry inside of us. We bring about transformation. And obviously, none of us is responsible for doing this all on our own. We must do what the Holy Spirit says to do and when he says to do it. If he tells us to step out of a situation, we must step out of the situation. But we don't negate the fact that the Holy Spirit is alive in us and he is powerful. And he can bring about solutions where they need to be solutions. He can bring wisdom where there needs to be wisdom. He can... um, You know, in us, bring joy. We can be the person who smiles in the queue when we're in Aldi and there's no one at the checkouts. We can be the person who brings transformation and the atmosphere and attitude in the queue because we've got the joy of the Lord in us. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us. We can bring about transformation not by force, but by love. We bring transformation in our culture as we love others by serving them. And so let's be those who know who we are, that we are loved by God and we can passionately worship him and give everything to him. And from that place, do what we were designed to do. Bring about transformation. Make this place look more like heaven from both within society and outside of it. Let's love one another and use the authority that God's given us to serve. And let's seek opportunities to serve. Let's look out for opportunities to serve and lay our lives down for others. And in that way, we're going to make Jesus famous. Amen. Amen.
it's all right if I just pray for you guys. You just want to stand up so we pray. Just assume whatever posture you find helpful. Yeah, Father, I thank you so much that you created us, God, that you fashioned us in your likeness, that you breathed your Holy Spirit into us and you sent us out into this world. I thank you, God, that you know us inside and out, God. I thank you for every single unique individual in this room. I thank you for who they are and the gift that they are to this world. I thank you, God, for their identity, and I pray that, that as we continue to seek after you, that we would know so much more our identity is secure in who you've called us to be, God, with all the intricate details and the way you made us, God. And I pray, God, for the confidence just to show up and be who we are, to show up and to put you on display, God. And I pray, God, that for those of us who may not feel like we have anything to offer, God, that you give more and you give in abundance, God. And so, Father, would you fill us up with your spirit? And would you help us know that we don't have to strive, but we simply have to partner with you in what you're already doing. Thank you that the kingdom of God is here. And thank you that the kingdom of God is coming and that we get to play a role in that. We bless you, Father. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys.